Today, we're going to be talking about something that has to do with the resolution of the faithful. The resolution of the faithful. You can add the faithful man, the faithful woman, but the resolution of the faithful. To the best of my understanding, I know that there is a clear decision to follow the Lord that you have made. And not just to follow the Lord, you have also made certain agreements with God. So, you are not people I'm afraid to share this with. It is because you are such kind of people that we are actually looking at this. You are not people that want to play with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are serious-minded people. And that's why we are having this discussion or having this teaching. The bedrock of the Christian life is faith. No matter how you want to look at it, the bedrock of the Christian life is faith. Every single thing has to do with faith in God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he exists and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith has no room for complacency. Faith is a serious-minded business. It is a serious-minded reality, if I can put it that way. It is by faith that you become visible in the kingdom of God. Without faith, you, do, you are not visible in the kingdom of God. Oh, God can see you, God can see me, you can see everybody in the world. Because the Bible says all things are made open before the eyes of him we, of whom we have to do. Hebrews 4.13 Everything is made naked before God because he has the seven spirits of God. And because of the spirit of God, he can see everything everywhere. He knows everything that's everywhere. He is God. We can't hide. But when it comes to having an identity, becoming visible, able to perceive the things of the kingdom of God, interacting with the kingdom of God, if you do not have an encounter with faith, you cannot be visible. It is because of faith that you have an identity in the kingdom of God. Faith gives you that entrance into the kingdom of God. Yes, grace provides you the platform, but faith gives you the entrance. And it is because you have an identity in the kingdom of God that you can relate with other people who are visible. Men of faith relate with men of faith. Men of faith relate with women of faith. Women of faith relate with women of faith. Without faith, you are not permitted to relate with a person on intimate and deep levels of the Christian life. I said intimate because love... Is something that must be open. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because they are not visible in the kingdom of God. They don't have an identity. They don't have a passport. They are not recognized as citizens of the kingdom of God. But to everyone who has encountered faith in Jesus Christ and has exercised it in Jesus Christ, 
then that person is visible. The person has an identity. The person can begin to transact in the in the kingdom of God. The person can begin to make demands. The person can begin to make take steps and take initiative in the kingdom of God. But without faith, the person has no access into God's kingdom. Amen. Another thing about faith is that faith is actually, we can call it the raw material that you used to do every single thing in the kingdom of God. How do I mean? If you want to live the Christian life successfully, what do you need? Faith. Or let me even start from the beginning. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not by works. It is less any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. Now, it should surprise you that, it shouldn't surprise you that I am putting so much emphasis. Yes, the emphasis today is the resolution of the faithful. And that's why we are starting this way. But even though the grace of God abounds to everybody, not everybody is drinking of the river of the grace of God. Because they lack this bedrock called faith. And that's why faith is paramount in the Christian life. It is the basic raw material. It is the, it is the basis on which you come into Christ. It is the basis by which you are sustained in the Christian life. And the Bible also tells us, I think that should be 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But faith is in the mix. Three things. What that is saying to us that even in heaven, our faith will still exist. And that is why we must pay deep, deep attention or great attention to the issues of faith. The Bible tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. As the blood is to the body, so faith is to your spirit. Faith is the life blood of the spirit man. That faith must be exercised by, by, by love, but faith is the life blood of the spirit man. The Bible tells us, let's open our Bible to James chapter 2, verse 26. James 2, 26. Anyone can read. Thank you. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we see here that the spirit is what powers the body. Right? Once the spirit of a man should leave, that body becomes a curse. They tell you, ah, mama has gone. Baba has gone. Meanwhile, just 30 minutes ago, they were like, ah, mama, mama don't go. Mama don't go. They are talking to the body because there is a spirit within the body. But the moment that spirit should leave and separate from that body, that body becomes a curse. Nobody will be relating with the corpse again. Nobody will be discussing with the corpse. Nobody will be hugging the corpse. Nobody will be pecking the corpse. Nobody will be patting the corpse. No. It has become a corpse. The value of that body is gone. So, when there is no faith in a person, the value of that person's spirit is gone. It is faith that brings value 
into that body. That enables that body to be able to interact, that, that spiritual man to be able to interact with the kingdom of God. Faith is a multidimensional reality. The more God opens it up to an individual, the more the person is able to do wonders. The Bible says, and they that know they are God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Now, in Hebrews 11, 6, where he says, he that comes to God must believe that he exists and is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's talking about those that know their God. They will be strong and do express because they know how to engage God. They know how to diligently seek him and obtain the dividends of following God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have the Hall of Fame of, of Hall of Fame of Faith, where we saw the different things that faith did. Faith was the person that was, or how life would be faith was the was the the the, 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 the what will I use to characterize that now? Faith was the entity, let's use the word entity, that was credited with all those things by faith. Abraham left the country. Now, he used faith to leave the country. In another place, in from verse 32, I think he said, by faith, they stopped the mouth of lions. They conquered kingdoms. They received their dead back. The same substance. Faith is multidimensional. And that is why you shouldn't limit the extent of faith that you should develop. Don't say, I just want to stop here. The greater the capacity of your faith, the greater the realities that are opened up to you. Jesus said, to him that believes, nothing will be impossible. Faith is the thing that gives you access into the infinite realm of God's possibilities. But it is in many dimensions. It is in many degrees. So we will talk about the dimensions of faith. I will just share three that I believe stand out. There may be more, but right now this is what I'm going to share. Before we now talk about that resolution of the faithful. The reason is because the word faith in Greek it comes from the word is the word pistis. Now I was learning from a great scholar and teacher, someone God has used to bless my life so much, the late Derek Prince. And he was explaining that every single thing that has to do with faith comes from one root word. Whether it is faith, faithful, faithless, it's from the same root word, pistis. Whether it is any dimension of it, it comes from that same substance. That reality of knowing God, who is in the, in the invisible realm, and honoring him in the visible realm. That entity that you have in your life, that substance you have in your life, as a result of your trust in God. That is what faith is. 
Faith is not about getting things from God. When you have faith, oh yes, you will get things from God. But that is not the issue. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, They that come to him must believe that he exists and is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not seek his things. A lot of people, their evaluation or their, their valuation of, of, of faith is how much things you can get from God. No. It is how much you know God. It's how much how much you are able to appraise the reality of God. Those other things are things that God wants to give us naturally. Are we together? So, faith comes in different dimensions. One of the dimensions that faith comes at is as life. It is by faith you receive life in the Christian life. Unless you have faith, you cannot come into, you cannot be born into the Christian life. We receive the incorruptible word of God that bettered us by the agency of the Holy Ghost. In, in Romans chapter 10, let's go to Romans chapter 10. Let's see how it all started. From verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who had believed that report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by hearing by the word of God. And yes, there are preachers. Yes, there are there is a gospel to be preached, but until that gospel is received by faith, life does not come. It started from verse 10, go up to verse 9 and 10. That if thou confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart. What is that? Faith. That God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And verse 11, for the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. This is the particular faith that leads you into life. That helps you operate in the dimension of life. It is what gives you access into all other areas. This is the faith that serves as the bedrock on which all other dimensions of faith sit. Faith as life. To push further on this, even though it is the means through which you receive life, it is also the means by which you stay alive spiritually. In Hebrews, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible tells us, the just shall live by faith. It's the same thing in Habakkuk 2.4. You can literally say, it is by faith, the just shall stay alive by faith. 
the just shall remain visible in the kingdom of God by faith. The just shall be able to appraise the things of God by faith. It takes faith in the Lord to stay alive. Your faith is not just to start up your Christian life. When you believe in Jesus, if you go to 4 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13, in, in New King James Version, it says something about and continue to believe. These things are right unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I may continue to believe in the Son of God. When Jesus talked about believing, he, he mentioned it to his disciples with an understanding. They had an understanding that when they believe, they are not supposed to take away their belief. A lot of people today think that when you say have faith in God, it's just, oh, I will agree that Jesus is the Lord, of, is, the, is, 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 is the Son of God once and for all, and now I can go and do whatever I want. No, it's not actually like that. That faith that you received in Jesus, or from or, uh, from Jesus, because we received. How do we receive? We, let's go to Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. There's a very powerful statement made by Apostle Peter there. In verse one, says Simon Peter is summoned and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained. You obtain what you did not have before, isn't it? Obtain like precious faith with us. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, it is your responsibility to have faith. But the truth is that it was actually given to you. If the word of God didn't come to you, you could never have had faith. So when we have obtained faith, it is not just to say, oh, I obtained it now, I drop it. No, it is a substance that should remain. Your faith that you have received, you take it and you plug it into Jesus Christ, who is in location. When you plug your faith into Jesus, it remains there. As long as your faith is in Jesus, you are a child of God. The day anybody refuses, like Demas, who loved the world and forsook Apostle Paul, and says, I am tired of following this Jesus, what is it? The kind of people that are in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, who have been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been partakers of the Holy, the, 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 the Holy Ghost and have been and have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers of the age to come. Those kind of people who now turn away from Christ and say, I don't accept that Jesus is the Son of God. I refuse to see him as my Lord. They are the ones that take their faith out of Christ. That is why the apostles were always saying, I press on. Endure to the end. Do not fall from where you are standing because some people have taken away their faith from the Son of Man. From the Son of God. Now, this is not to make us afraid. Eternal life, yes, is forever. As long as your faith remains in Jesus. A location. Nobody can take you, take you away from Christ. Christ says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Hebrews 
But he never said that you cannot decide to leave him. Or a Christian, you will not leave him by the grace of God. None of us will leave him. But there are people that have actually left him, like Judas Iscariot. And that was why the Bible said, let his place be given to another. It was actually his place. But it had to be given to another. Why? Because he took his faith out of Jesus. He followed Jesus. He did the miracles. He did all the things. But at a point, he started to doubt the reality of the Son of God. Whether his allegiance to the Son of God was worth it. And he took it out. At that point, he became dead. And irrecoverably dead. Because the Bible says there is no longer any sacrifice for such such people. For they crucify to themselves again the Son of Man. Meanwhile, there is only one sacrifice. For by one sacrifice has he made perfect forever. Everyone. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. By one sacrifice he has sanctified us. He doesn't need another. So what is this supposed to let us understand? It's supposed to cause us to guard our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that brought us to life. Examine yourself to know whether you are in the faith. Faith as, as, as life or as a life. Faith without works, I'm still under that first dimension of faith as a life. Faith without works is dead. In James chapter 2 verse 17 to 18, we see that. James chapter 2 verse 17 to 18. It says, even so, if it, even so faith, if it had not works, is dead. Being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. When you say you have faith in Jesus, you believe that he is your Lord. You know that he's coming to take you home. You know he's giving you authority on earth. It should result in you doing practical things for God. It should drive you. That understanding, that confidence should push you. Should provide energy. For you to do things because of Jesus. When you refuse to release that energy in you, you are like a vehicle that has well but has refused to start. So the engine is full, the, 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 the tank is full, but the car is doing no work. The generator has fuel, but it's providing no power. The grinder has fuel, but it is grinding no grain. What is your faith doing for the Lord Jesus? What proof do you have that you are alive in Jesus Christ? Faith always has works. It is by this faith that you show you are alive. Under this same point, and if you notice, there is a progression. The next thing is, it is faith that permits you to impact life. You start by receiving life. 
you continue by staying alive by the same faith, you proceed to showing that you are alive, then you move to imparting life all by the same faith in the Lord Jesus. It is impossible to glorify the Father except you have faith. Because God has given you a work to do. In John chapter 17 verse 4, Jesus said, Father, I have glorified you. For I have done the work that you sent me to do. Jesus could not have done that work except he had faith in the Father. But as a result of releasing his faith in the Father, he, 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 he brought about glory to the Father. You cannot glorify God until you begin to release the life that is in you in the areas God wants you to release it. Are you in the choir? Release life. Are you a Bible study teacher? Release life. Are you an exhorter? Release life. Are you a giver? Release life. You are carrying the substance of God, the multidimensional capacity of God to release life according to the callings of God upon your life. Remember, by faith, they shot the mouth of lions. By faith, they won wars. By faith, they left five nations and received an inheritance from God. They did wonders. By faith, they also died. Some refused to, have, to even be delivered because they felt and understood that if I should take this deliverance, it is going to question my faith. They rather died in their faith than for their faith to be questioned. The Bible says by faith, the elders received a good report. It's not just to come alive. It's not just to stay alive. It's not just to show that you have life. It's also to have a good report. In John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14, he's talking about that dimension of imparting life, which every one of you will enter into. John chapter 14 verse 12 Verily, verily, I say unto you He that believeth on me The works that I do shall he do And greater works than this shall he do Because I go on to And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son If ye shall ask anything in my name I will do This is the realm of imparting Yes, it is the Lord Jesus that will release the grace but it is you that we believe. And what is the extent to which you can believe? There is no extent. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. The Lord Jesus has left the realm of the earth to you and I to fill with the glory of God. He says we will do even greater works than he did. Many of the fathers and teachers in the faith believe that this is not just it's not about the quality of the things but about the quantity and the new things that Jesus did not do for example Jesus did not preach to people through internet through all the world did he there was no internet but today we preach to people through internet and they are saved those are greater works we preach speak to people upon the phone 
and pray for them and the power of God comes upon them through just wires, airwaves. That's greater works. You can't you can say the quality is better because it's the same Holy Spirit that does the works. It is available to us. You are, we are meant to impart life to others. Our faith must grow to the point where we are able to impart life to others. Otherwise, we are underusing ourselves and we are not glorifying God. It is expected. It is necessary. It is mandatory for you to be fruitful. In John chapter 15, it says, verse, John 15, verse, it should be verse 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Hearing is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What is a fruit? A fruit is an extension of a life. When a couple give birth, they are only extending their life. That's why that life is connected to them spiritually, emotionally, Physically, genetically, is an extension of a life. The life that we have is an extension of the life of Jesus. We must bear fruit. Amen. Another dimension of faith is faith as a fruit. This is the characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit called faith or faithfulness. That faithfulness we see is actually faith. But this time it is manifesting as a fruit. It's not a different, it's not different. If you were hearing it, and I think that should be pistos or something. It's the same root word, P-I-S-T. They just add to it. If it is faithless, I think faithlessness is um, apistia, or something like that. When you are faithful, you are only showing that you are full of faith. You are full of trust in God. You will not lie because your faith, your your faith in God does not permit you to lie. You know from the word of God that you shouldn't lie. They put a gun on your head. You say, "I'm sorry." The word of God does not teach me to lie. I cannot lie. You are a faithful person. You are broke. You don't have so much money, yet you can see. Your boss left maybe $200 somewhere. Something you can fold in your wallet. That's some now. That should be some cool 80000 Yet, you cannot lie. You cannot steal. Because it is against your nature. Your nature is that of righteousness. Is that of faith and faithfulness. It is a fruit. This is the result of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. As a result of hearing the word of God, which is what tells you, no, I cannot do this. When they told Joseph, sleep with your, the, the, the master's wife says, here I am. Do whatever you want to do. He said, I am not doing. How can I sin against God? It was his understanding of God. That was the word of God in his heart that had grown into a fruit that says, no, I am a faithful person. I won't do it. He put him into serious trouble. But he didn't do it. 
it can also be as a result of the working of the Holy Spirit through your obedience to Him. Your obedience to the direction of the Holy Spirit can be a manifestation or is a manifestation of the fruit of faith in your life. It is because you have grown in obeying the Lord that you will continue to obey Him. Because you know, oh, the Word of God teaches me to obey the Holy Spirit. That was the reason why you started. But you have started to obey Him and you are seeing the dividends. And it's not even really just about the dividends because you want to obey Him. That's an example of faithfulness. Faithfulness can also be as a result of the experiences you have had as a result of obeying God. Sometimes God says, obey, do this. He doesn't tell you what you will see while you are doing it. So you want to obey Him and you start to obey Him, but other things begin to bring their head in. And those things are trying your faith. But as you remain there, you are growing in faithfulness. The fruit of faith is growing in your life. God has put you in charge of 50,000 and not one night have got missing. Another person put you in charge of 20,000 and you did not know it was still God that was entrusting you with it. Then another day when you really did not have money, you had access to 100,000 and the, the, it, was, it, it was tough. But you remained there. Your faith has grown. As a fruit. It is still from the same root of faith that saves a person. But this is the dimension that is building your character. The dimension that is forming you into the nature of Christ. Faithfulness or faith as a fruit also comes about or is cultivated in a cultivated in a person's life by the Holy Spirit through trials and tribulations. It's one thing for God to give you an instruction. It's another thing for something that God for, for something which God did not plan for your life. Or which Satan asks God that he may throw to you to come. When Satan asks for Job all God did was to boast about Job's faithfulness. And Satan said, no, there's something wrong. His motive is questionable. Let's test it. Let's test this motive. And because God is faithful and God is just and God is righteous, he considered Satan's proposition that actually if Job is really faithful, even if all the things that God has given him is taken away, he will not change his mind. Because that was what Satan was telling God. That he said, lie. This man does not love you. It's what you have given him that is keeping his heart there. So if God did not allow Satan to test Job, Satan will always tell God, you cannot approve, say you love the, or approve of this man because you didn't allow me to test him. So it is inevitable to be tested. It's inevitable. If you are a true Christian, you will be tested. You must be tested. If you are not tested, you are walking the lines of being a bastard. 
And none of us is a bastard by God in Christ Jesus. In James, James chapter. It should be James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Remember, faith is the bedrock. So in order to bring you into perfection, what did God try? Your faith. And as your faith was being tried, another thing was being developed. Patience. Perfection. This is faith as a fruit. You have made, you have talked to God individually. There are things that each of you are pursuing God for at this time. On this platform of discipling people, our focus is discipling them into the purpose of God after they have understood the rudimentary things of the Christian life. Then we help them to see how to discover God's purpose by engaging with the Holy Ghost until he brings them into it. But each of your individual faiths will be tried as you seek to please God. It does not mean that God is going to punish you. No, God is not punishing you. It can come simply as something that other people are asking for. You ask God for it and it takes a little bit longer. And you're like, so does God really love me? Oh, he does love you. That is why he's allowing you to go through that. If he did not love you, he will just allow you to grow and you will become a spoiled brat that cannot be used for anything in life. You will be a vessel full of so much impurities. And until you are purged, God cannot use you. You must be purged. And as you are increasing in sanctification and purification, your use increases in the house of God. And it increases by honor. You ask, God begins to use you for more honorable assignments. Lastly, faith as a fruit grows or is cultivated by the Holy Spirit through testimonies of God's faithfulness in the lives of other people. You can receive a growth in your faith. Your faith can be boosted by hearing the testimonies of other people. Because in every testimony dwells the capacity for multiplication. The Bible says the, tes the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When a testimony is released concerning, a concerning what God has done in a person's life, it releases spiritual power that energizes other people to believe that God did this and God will do it again. What David was doing when he was talking to Saul, he says, he has delivered me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He was engaging the power of testimony. And it applied, that was his own testimony. But it also applies in the hands of other people. That was why after David killed Goliath, David's mighty men also killed giants. Because they knew that this our leader 
has killed a giant before. Giant killing is possible. And their own dimension was even different. One fell into the pit with a lion. He killed it. Beniah. Son of um, is it Jehoada. He killed a six a, a, a giant that had six fingers and six toes on both hands. Why? Because the door has been opened by the testimony of David. So your faith can grow through those means. The third dimension is faith as a gift. Though faith is sourced from these raw materials, one, you have seen it as life that you have received. Two, you have seen it as a fruit that develops your character. But it also operates as a gift. When it operates as a gift, it is the faith of God that you receive, not your own faith. The Bible says by faith, Hebrews 11, 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God. God had faith in himself that when he speaks, the earth will be created. So he spoke. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, he says, have faith. Of God. In most of the versions put it in God, but those that are scholars say that actually the literal meaning is have the faith of God. For if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that the things which you say shall come to pass, ye shall have what ye say. That is not the faith of normal Christians. That is the faith of God that says, Live here. So God doesn't just want you to operate. With your faith. He has made his faith available to you to operate. That is the gift of faith. Which is a manifestation of the spirit of God in your life. I believe that our faith can grow. See, faith grows. If you grow to the point where your faith can move mountains normally, it's fine. But when your faith is not at that level, you can receive an impartation from God at a certain time to release God's power and God's life into a situation. It's a gift. It's a tiny portion of the almighty faith of God that you receive. Take. You come into the dimension of God where you see things the way God sees it. And you command thou eyes open. In your own strength, you can't do anything. But when the faith of God is in operation, <laughs> you feel that you can actually do anything. And that's why they pray and say, let their eyes be open. Let the lame walk. Let the demons go out in the name of Jesus. You talk to a demon and say, in the name of Jesus, go out. That is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It grows. And a lot of times, it's also a gift of faith. Is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. At that point in time, an unction flows. It is that same faith. But to operate in the gift of faith, you also need your normal faith. Your normal faith that tells you that the Holy Spirit gives a gift of faith. When you believe that the Holy Spirit gives the gift of faith, then you are an eligible candidate. You know, Philip left in Acts chapter 8. This is, and the Spirit of God took him 
and transported the Philip Airlines. Do you think that he did not need faith for that to happen? He had already walked into the desert where people are not, are not there. Then he saw a person, a eunuch on the chariot. Then the eunuch took him inside his chariot. Philip was operating by faith that the Holy Ghost that brought me here will find me, will take me back home. He was walking in love and in faith in God, that God that has an assignment for me, let me obey his command. God will take care of me. So the Ethiopian you know, kept on going to Ethiopia. Was Philip going to Ethiopia? No. But because he sold out to his master and he is a slave of the spirit of God, willing slave, a bond servant of God, where God is going, he's going, and he was going with the horse, the horse was chicken. The moment the man received Jesus and began to and was baptized and began to rejoice. By faith, Philip left that place. How do I know? Because he happened to Elijah too. And the Spirit of God came upon him and he ran. Even if the Spirit of God is upon him, you must release your faith to move your leg. He's not, he is not a demon. He is the Spirit of God. He does not manipulate. So when God is telling you, pray for this person, release this word of prophecy, you must step out in faith. Your normal faith is not going to be put aside. The gift of faith is going to rest upon that one and enhance it. And why are we looking at all this? Because the focus is actually the fruit of faith I want to tell you about. And I'm going to run through it now. What we're doing was a foundation to show you the different dimensions and to show you the one I am going to. The one I'm going to is the faithful. And that comes from the fruit, which is faith, not the gift. This one, you develop it. This one is your responsibility. This one is what is going to keep you even when you may be seeking a gift of faith and you may not be seeing it. This is the one that will be tried. I have explained who the faithful is. The faithful is that person, let me just say again, is the person who has faith as an abiding fruit in his life. The fruit of the Spirit has nine characteristics. There are not nine fruits. It's one fruit that has nine dimensions. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Excuse me. It's the same fruit. You don't say, ah, I want the juiciness of the orange. I don't want the, I don't want the taste. No. An orange has taste. It has, it can be, it will be succulent. It has a good fragrance. It has a good color. It has, it has characteristics. Now, when one of those characteristics is, is lacking, when an orange is watery but it's not sweet, do you like it? No. When it is sweet but it does not have juice, it is not a completely good orange. So you cannot say, I want to have love. I don't want to have patience. It doesn't work that way. You are an orange that is sweet, but it's dry. You cannot say, I want to be gentle, but I don't want to be good. Let me just be gentle. I don't want to be good. You can't say that. We need the nine characteristics of faith. 
We need the nine characteristics of faith. And our example is the Lord Jesus. Go to Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. I want someone to read that. Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. Verse 11. Thank you. And his name is what? Faithful and true. Jesus is our example of this person called faithful. He is the standard. It's because he is faithful that we can attempt to be faithful. Are we together? Now, what does it take to be faithful? Which is actually where we are going to. It takes a mixed spirit. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, the Bible tells us about Jesus, who did not, though he was in the form of God, he counted it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself humble like a servant. He was made in the fashion of a man. He did all that until he died on the cross. He was meek. He was not just humble. He was lowly in heart. He did not exalt himself. That's why the Bible says that let the same mind be in you. Esteem others better than yourself. If a man is going to truly be faithful, he must start with meekness and humility. Because that is the standard that the Lord Jesus gave. And in John chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus told us that what he sees the Father doing is what he does. Why? He is meek. He didn't come and say, I want to do what I want to do. Now, a person that is meek is a person that has quieted his spirit before God and is not struggling with God. The person does not make himself of any value before God. He doesn't, he doesn't exalt himself before God. And even before his fellow men, he esteems, she esteems people better than herself. Who is a faithful person? He's a person that has an understanding of the Lordship of Christ. In John chapter 20 verse 29, when Thomas had seen the side of Jesus and the hands of Jesus, what did he say? My Lord and my God. A realization came upon him that this is my Lord. But he is not the best example because he believed after he saw. Jesus said, blessed are they that believe when they have not seen. You have not set your eyes on Jesus physically and put your hands inside his, his side. So you, we are called blessed. We have believed in a Jesus that we did not see in flesh and blood. We are blessed. But in order for us to move in in faithfulness, we must understand the fullness of the Lordship of Christ, which means owner, master. He can do whatever he wants with your life. You don't begin to bargain with him. In Acts chapter 21, verse 13, let's see someone who had an understanding of, of the Lordship of Christ. Acts chapter 21, verse 13. Let someone read, please. 
And forty. So when you not persuaded, he ceased. We ceased saying, "Will of the Lord be done." Amen. Their faith was not at the level of dying for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not even at the level of being bound for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the word of the Lord and by the revelation of Jesus, Paul had come to an understanding that that was the reason for which he was called. To show forth the glory of God to the Gentiles and even to their kings. And Jesus told them, told him rather that he will suffer great things for him. Meanwhile, other Christians, Christian faithful, were suggesting, do not go. And he says, no, you people don't understand. This is my path. If he was not a real faithful, a true, mature faithful, he would have said, it's true. After all, these my people, they love me. It's because they love me that they are telling me not to go to Jerusalem. But due to the level of their understanding of the Lordship of Christ, the extent of their fulfillment of purpose was limited. Until you get to a place where you are not ready to, you are not just ready to lose things for the Lord. You are ready to give your life. You are ready to become a nobody. And if possible, even die for the cause of Christ. Your life is not usable in some realms. You are ineligible. Paul got to that point, And that is the point we also need to get to. The point where the Lordship of Christ. Understand the Lordship of Christ. Plea for the Lord to open it up to you. You need the revelation of who Jesus is as Lord. Personally, my life did not begin to have use in God's path until I understood the Lordship. I used to struggle. When God said, come, come and walk with me, I say, I'm already working with you. I'm a teens coordinator, I'm a home fellowship leader, I'm a this, I'm a that. It, those things did not count in the presence of God because I was holding the most important thing, which was my life. I wanted to direct my life. I wanted to be an influential person doing certain things, make my money, help the body of Christ. I did not know that I was the one that needed to be helped. And when the Lord told me, he says, your money, you will give me. I know. Your time, ah, you will give me. But you don't want to give me your life. Give me your life. Take your hands off the steering. Take it off. And allow me guide your life. Stop saying you want to drive in this direction. Listen to what I'm saying. When I took it off, he now said, put your hand back on the steering and drive to this place. Carry yourself and go and join him and, and, and resign. First of all, resign. Use your hand. The Holy Spirit will not write your letter of resignation for you. You will write it with your own hand. He will not use your money. He will not take your mobile app and put your pin. You will be the one to do it. To give that sacrificial offering, you issue, you will type it. He's not looking for people that want him to do everything. He's looking for people that he will instruct to do it and they will do it because they understand the Lordship of Christ. That is when you are moving. All the other things that you want to know are all hidden in this. 
there's no prayer, there's no laying on of hands anybody will do for anybody that will yield progress in the path of purpose until there is a yielded heart that comes from an understanding of the Lordship of Christ. Do you think people that just left left Europe to come and start searching for souls in Africa are stupid? They, they just threw their lives away. No, they have seen something that is not physical. They have appraised something that is spiritual. They have laid hold of something that is eternal. And it's an understanding of the Lordship of Christ. That is where God wants each and every one of us to be. Then we will not be useful. Then we will begin to touch things. Then we will begin to release the life of God. All the great things you are desiring in your life, that is where it starts. But seek ye forth the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all other things shall be added unto you. All other things. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to have a strong desire to please the Lord Jesus. When I was preparing this, I need you to know that I'm the one that called you, but it is God that called this meeting. Frankly, this is not... Yes, I meet some of you on Sundays. As, so, you see, my wife has her own time with the children. During the week, we have certain meetings. There are other engagements, but it's not my life. It's not my life. He said, call them. It's time to start meeting with them. You have not been meeting. Now, begin to pull them together and to meet with them. And I had to call. It may be, ah, he's the one leading. It's not like that. There's another person that is above. A strong desire to please the Lord Jesus. When I was asking, okay, so Lord, what do you have? Eh? He gave me this. As I was preparing it, when I got to this point, Stephen is a man. He didn't just understand the Lordship of Christ. He strongly wanted to please the Lord. Do you think that Stephen could not have stopped talking about Jesus when they started questioning him? But he kept on firing them and they were disputing with him and he, they couldn't they couldn't compete with the wisdom of the Holy Ghost in him because he opened his mouth. If he shut his mouth down, they would have had no wisdom from the Holy Ghost. If he saw, say, this my my countrymen, they are madmen. They will kill me. But his desire to please the Lord Jesus was too passionate. He will not keep quiet. They must know that Jesus is Lord. And when they brought him and they put him in front of the Sanhedrin and they say, what you said, is it true? Then the Holy Ghost, you know, God has promised us in Luke 21 verse 15 that he will, I will give you the wisdom that none of your enemies shall be able to contradict or gainsay you. He was talking about when we are brought before kings. He said, do not meditate on what you will say, for it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. That was what happened to Philip uh, to, to Stephen. And he began to recount from the time of Abraham. That is one of the best summaries of what has happened from Genesis up to that point in just one chapter. He brought out the key point and was hammering them. Why? Just giving them. He could have stopped. 
But I am persuaded that it was a desire to please his Lord that did not make him shut up. After he had given them the history, he now by the Spirit of God gave them all ye stiff-necked people. Which of the prophets have your fathers not killed? Do you think he did not know? You know the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. When you are starting, you may not be able to control it at a point because the Holy Spirit is trying to help you to understand the limits and the, the extent and the extremities of your gift. But as you mature, you can stifle the flow of the Holy Ghost. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, quench not the spirit. You can quench the spirit. Stephen did not quench the spirit. Why? Because he wanted to please his commanding officer. And what did he result in? His death. He didn't choose the words and dilute it. No, he gave it the way it was given to him. If you are going to be a faithful, you are going to strongly desire to please your, your master. It will put you against people. It will put you against family. Jesus said, do you think I came to bring peace? I came to bring a sword. To put a father against his son and a daughter-in-law against her mother. Mother-in-law. The gospel brings divides. What is the divide? The divide between light and darkness. When you decide to follow the Lord Jesus this way, which is actually the only way, you become a radical. You become a faithful. Who is, who, who is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Willingly. You strongly desire. You strongly desire. This is not that Jesus loves you, that they are teaching you. No. You have taken the understanding that Jesus loves you and now you are returning the love. You are pursuing him and you are saying, Jesus, I want to please you. What next? What next? The fourth point under what does it take to be faithful? An understanding of the reward. In Luke chapter 22 verse 28, the Lord Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, you are he who have remained with me in my temptations. Now I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed unto me a kingdom. And you will all sit on thrones, each of them, twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. When they remain with him, they received the reward. There was a point where Peter asked, Lord, we have left all to follow you. What is in it for us? It was not, Jesus did not say, you this unfaithful servant. So it's only the reward we are thinking about. No, he told you. See, for every one of you that have left fields and fathers and wives and this and that, you will receive a hundredfold in this life. And in the life to come, eternal life. But this was another aspect that they probably did not even know. That Jesus told them there was a reward. A man that is faithful has an understanding of the reward. Sometimes it is the understanding of the reward that will get you up your bed. It's not selfishness. It's an understanding. The Bible tells us that even Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame. Endured the cross, despised the shame. For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. He could see the reward. What is the reward that you are gunning for? Do you, can you, do you have an understanding of the reward of what it means to be faithful to Jesus? 
Do you think that he wants you to serve him for, for nothing? Don't you know that he has not caused the seed of Jacob to seek him in vain? I'm sharing this with you now. Because that's what God needs you to know. The steps that we've been talking about, the things that we are hungry for, these are the ways to enter into a strong desire to please God. That will cause you to move even when others don't want to move. When your blood siblings are saying, no, I don't think I will do it. You love them, but you have to move for that. Because there is a person that you want to please. The fifth point, a decision to pay the price. It's, a, it's one thing to understand the reward. It's another thing to understand the Lordship of Christ. There must be a decision to pay the price. You must count your cost. And when you have counted your cost, you must pay the price. And this price, in fact, when you make the decision, you don't know the entire price. You must make that decision from the beginning that no matter what the price is, I will pay it. And the grace is available. It's just your willingness. What prices are we talking about? This is price, P-R-I-C, not P-R-I-Z-E. The last point, understanding of the reward is P-R-I-Z-E. That is the reward, that is the price, a crown of life and the other things. But this one is P-R-I-C-E, what you will pay, what you will intentionally do, willingly do before you get the P-R-I-Z-E. You need to be ready to be to look foolish in obedience. <clears throat> Until you are ready to look foolish in obedience, you cannot be a faithful. You must be ready to look foolish. You must be ready to look foolish. There are certain things. Abraham looked foolish. He had a family. He probably had land. He had servants and he left his land to a land that he did not know. How stupid does that sound to a common man? The sentence sounds stupid. What made it a lightning sentence was that it was given by God. It was an instruction of God. So the foolishness or the stupidity of the sentence became life-changing, eternally life-changing. It was not about the going. It was about the person that said he should go. When God is telling you do this, it's not about the thing. It's about the person that says you should do it. I won't talk too much on that. I believe it's the explanatory. To be ready to follow Jesus anywhere. Anywhere. The places you will leave are in the hands of God. I didn't plan to be in this place. I did not even know there was a place like this that existed. Oh, I had come to Guagalada before, but this place, no, I, I was not aware of it. It was not in my... If you would have asked me where I would have been living at this point in my life, oh, I would have been saying maybe, maybe VI, maybe not VI, somewhere in Lagos, if not somewhere in Lagos, it may be Abuja. I would have had a couple of houses somewhere outside the country, one comfortable, not here. But, like I said, it's not my life. 
And as I am here, I'm enjoying myself. Follow Jesus anywhere. Follow him. If he says, go to this church, you will go to the church. If you want to leave the church, let's say he didn't even send you, you went to the church and he did not see anything. He was alright with it. You now want to leave. And he says, no, you're actually in the right place. Don't leave yet. God, can't you see the way they are treating me? Can't you see that this pastor, <clears throat> he has come That is the reason why I want you to be here. Everybody in the church cannot have come What of all the small sheep that are coming? Who is going to tell them to sit down there? God, me too, I need to eat. Yes, sit down there. <clears throat> you sit down. You are there, your family, and you are, you are praying. Somebody thinks you are, we are discussing now. It's not now that it will come up. It's in the next five years, in the next ten years. But it is a lifetime of following Jesus. <clears throat> the disciples followed Jesus everywhere. When, after he died and resurrected and told Peter, he said, when you were a child, you took yourself and went anywhere you wanted. But when you are old, another will guide you and take you to a place where you do not want to go. And John explained, if John did not explain, we may not have understood what he was saying. He says, with this, he was talking about the death by which Peter was going to die. It was a prophetic statement that need, is, needed insight. When he was a young believer, anywhere he wanted to go, God allowed him. But when he became a father, and a father of fathers, and he needed to show that he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus, he was going to be led to die. Even though he didn't want to go. But he will have to go. Willingly. If he did not want to go, he just needed to deny Christ. But he couldn't. He, he dare not. He has seen what happened to Judas. All the work, all the reward that was waiting for him. All the visions of God and of heaven. <clears throat> we must be ready to follow Jesus anywhere. Anywhere is the best way to classify it. Because there are places God may send you to that I cannot think of. You cannot think of. Now, to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that worketh in us. By the power that worketh in us, he will tell you, go and do this. Say, God, I never thought about it. He says, I, I know. You are, you are not supposed to be able to think it up. That's Ephesians 3.20. What is the price you need to pay? You need to be ready to lose your relationships and to work on relationships that you may not have wanted in the first place. God may tell you, this friendship, get rid of it. I am like, God, why? This, he says, get rid of it. And you obey. When you get rid of it, then you will know the why. Usually you know after you obey. And sometimes you don't even know. The key thing is that you obey. Sometimes it's not friendship. Sometimes it is emotional relationships. He tells you, cut this thing. Sometimes he says, Marry this person. And you're like, no, that's not the person. He says, are you the one that made yourself? That's the person. I'm like, no, 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 no. Lord, it cannot be this woman. He say, oh, my dear, it is that woman. God, she does not, mm-hmm, she's the one. Father, mm-hmm, she's the one. You pray like this, she's the one. You pray like that, she's the one. You go and meet the prophet, she's the one. Because he will not change his mind because your emotions do not align with it. No, he won't. He knows what he wants for you. You must be ready to follow him. If you tamper with that, you tamper with critical things in his calling for you. And you scatter the arrangement. 
those little decisions may take five, ten years to correct. And when they are corrected, you have lost time and they may never be as he wanted it to be. When Abraham had an Ishmael, the Ishmael we are still seeing to today, he never planned it. Did he correct it? Yes, he corrected it. But we are still having it. Your Ishmaels, God for you won't have Ishmael. Anybody that has an Ishmael will continue to see his Ishmaels like this. The Ishmaels, they don't die. They have blessing to keep them alive. Premarital um, pregnancy, the child will not die. The child will, the child will, the child will be healthy. Fine children. As a testimony of your carelessness. Those children, God will not give them. Why? Because they were supposed to come. They had a destiny. They were supposed to come through. That child was supposed to be the... It was supposed to come, but that was not the time. And if that child was not... This man has a, a son attached to him. Any man, he, a woman he marries, must produce a child named Peter. So, instead of him to wait for his real wife, he cannot hold the sexual urges. God is helping him, but he does not want to help himself. And he goes and impregnates a woman. God has said, when he gives birth to a son, the first child will be Peter. This Peter is supposed to come from him. The child will be a Peter. And for the woman that, that allowed him to impregnate her, she must be a Peter. Whether she wanted to be a Peter. Maybe God said her own first son will be a James from another man. But she went to go and meet the person that will give her a Peter. If you tamper with the plans of God by not following Jesus everywhere, you create things you are not supposed to create. When he says move, you move. If you delay, you create what you are not supposed to create. If he says stay and you move, you create what you are not supposed to create. That's how it works. And timing is critical. Anyway, we are not talking about that in depth today. You need to be ready to receive the afflictions or persecutions for the name of Jesus Christ that have been apportioned to you. That's a price to pay. It's, it is shared for every one of us. And we need to pray and build our faith now and tell God, Lord, cry out to God, God, in the day that I'm tested, do not let me fail. For if, we, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Proverbs 24, 5. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. One of them is verse 5, one of them is verse 10. I want to be sure that it's 24 10. The second one is 5. <laughs> yes, your strength is blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That one is Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 to 11. You also need to be ready to pay the price, to push your body, your soul, and your spirit to please Him. A lot of times we need to please ourselves. We need to, please our, we need to push ourselves, not please ourselves. Push ourselves so that we can please Him. When we, we, we fail, what do we do? We ask Him for mercy and we start again. We don't say, I feel that I will not do it. It's a lie. You stand up. Because you cannot give up. Okay. Point F now. All those five points were under a decision to pay the price. 
Now, point six, under, what does it take to be faithful? You need a decision to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. A decision to grow in grace. Grace increases. Grace can increase. In Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is how one way through it grace can be increased, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a command to grow in grace. In Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 2 2 Timothy chapter 2 sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 he says, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When God makes this statement, he is not joking. It's an instruction. Be strong in the grace. It is your responsibility to be strong in the grace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, he says, we have access into this grace by faith. We stand in the grace because we entered by faith. The responsibility of entering is ours. The responsibility of standing in the grace is ours. So, if we want our grace to be multiplied, there is a way. The knowledge of God is one way. The second way is by faith. In Romans chapter 4, Verse 16. It tells us that the promise is of faith that it may be of grace. If you want to receive grace, you must go by faith. Abraham received the grace of the promise by faith. Faith and grace are connected. Lastly, what does it take to be faithful? A resolution to succeed. Based on the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus has already won the victory forever. And if we will trust him and keep our faith in him, he will, he will bring about the fullness of the victory in our lives, in every day. But the resolution to trust him to bring that victory is in our hands. You want to fulfill God's purpose for your life? Excellent. You must make a resolution to stay with Jesus throughout the way. It is, you have made one. Yes, you made a resolution to start. When you get to a juncture in your life where it is a change of face, because changes of face will come when you have been faithful, you need to make another resolution to continue. It's not so much different from the first one. By the time you get to the second bus stop, you understand what it means to follow Jesus because your eyes have seen one or two things in the first place. So you know now when Jesus says, follow me, you're like, God, thank you for the first place. You understand that you can't turn back. If you turn back, then you are behaving like a faithless person. He will put his hand to the floor and turns back. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. We are not permitted to turn back because we are not even the ones doing the work. 
all God is asking from us is our faith in Him. Trust Him. But it does not mean that it will not demand from you. You have trusted God, you have planted five churches, and you have sweat. You know how much time you have prayed. You know how much of your life you have given out. You know how much... Then the Lord says, well done. I want to send you to this nation. <laughs> you were in a community. You had wine. Then he says, I want to send you to a nation. You must make a resolution to still follow. Don't think that it's an automatic thing that because you followed him for the first place, you still want to go. No, it does not work like that. Because the demands are new. So he's going to make it clear to you again. He doesn't want you to go back. But he is going to let you know that you are going to face something. And he wants you to release your love a second time. In a continuous fashion. My Lord, I never changed my mind. I'm still with you. Let us go. And he will continue to lead you. You get to another level and each time he's doing that, he's moving you to a new pedestal. But some people get to a point and say, God, see, I've tried. You too, you know I've tried. Ah, I've worked with you for 20 years. See, my children, this one is here, this one is there. At least them even stay with them and it's like, it's alright. He really loves us. And he understands. But it does not mean that he will not still demand. Because in his demanding, you will experience a new level of his love to you. Let me tell you a story of one man called Mahesh Chabda. He was discipled by that father in the faith, Derek Prince. And he now has become a father of fathers. He is from India. And in their, in their tribe, they are, they are very, very relational. He's, somebody died and he was having a meeting of hundreds of thousands of people and they called him that he should come for his burial. The burial. I think he's his brother his mother, one of the two. He was in London. No, sorry. He was in, the, the people were in London and he was somewhere else and his heart was crying that God, I need to go. I think it's his mother. So, the temptation was that, ah, fly down. He said no. In the first few days, God had given them a couple of thousands of lives. Souls. That's how he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm, I can't go. Just he cried. He had to cry. And elderly man, he cried. The day that he was supposed to have traveled, that meeting was fire. The glory that came down in that meeting was greater the number of people that were saved were multiplied. The souls that were, they, 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 they healed, the people that were healed multiplied. People that were multiplied. And that's how it continued. There was a change in his anointing and in his ministration. But that was not the end. He's strongly prophetic also. He's an apostle. So he now was worshipping with the Lord and the Lord now told him that you did not go for your mother's burial because of me. And because you couldn't go, I went. You know what that means? The Lord Jesus went to receive his mother into heaven personally. Because he was a faithful servant. 
to obey, do his master's bidding. When you do your master's bidding, he will do your bidding. He will do your bidding. Because this recording, this is a recording. I will hold on to some things. There are things that God will do for you that you can't do for yourself only because you stayed with Him. And usually you are not even asking for it. So you need to make a resolution to endure to the end. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, the Bible says, He that endures to the end will be saved. The resolution of the faithful. The resolution of the faithful. Never to turn back. This is not this message does not mean we are doing anything wrong. No. It's not a message for people that are doing things wrong. No. Even though it can help them. It is so that we will understand that this journey that we're embarking on is a journey that has rewards. But it needs a certain attitude. You cannot lose on it. By the grace of God, I have not lost on it and I will not lose on it. Because the person that calls is sure. Faithful is he that calleth you and he will do it. So I want you to bow your head. <clears throat> And talk to God. You've you've heard a couple of things. I don't know what it is God has highlighted in your heart. I don't know. But ask God to give you a strong resolution to be a faithful man, a faithful woman. When you come to this realm, you really do not care about fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. It's not that you hate them. No, 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 no. But when it is compared, they don't compare to your devotion for the Lord Jesus. And you know one thing I've discovered? When you are sold out like this, even your parents and your siblings and your friends will love you more. Because they understand that you have laid hold of the eternal one who is able to keep you. I want you to be encouraged that God is interested in you. You have not wasted your life to commit it to Jesus. You have not wasted your life to make a covenant with him. You have not wasted your life to seek his things. You have not wasted your life to be holy. You have not wasted your life to keep yourself pure. You have not. You have opened the door into realities and possibilities with God. You have opened the door into the fulfillment of the things that have been written concerning you. You have opened the door into that wonderful, blessed saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, Good and faithful servant. It is faithfulness that God uses to, to, to summarize our report. By faith, we know 
that the elders received a good report. By faith, they received a good report. By faith, they received a good report. If you want a good report, ask the Lord to give you grace. Grace to run this race. Grace, grace to be, to always be interested. Grace to want to move even when others don't want to move. Grace not to be discouraged. Grace never to be tired. Grace to cry out when you feel weak. Oh Lord, asana mante kasoto malagara dabala takala